Hey friends, thank you for pressing play and tuning into Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson, and you're invited to join me every week for transparent storytelling about life, love, and business. Get ready to laugh, to feel inspired, and challenged to get out of your comfort zone. We are all adjusting to this world of perfection experts doing it for the gram, when in real life, we're just out here trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Hang on to our adult relationships, find the balance between side hustle and nine to five, and adjust to our new identities in marriage and parenthood. Each episode, I will help you see the growth and possibility in what's next. Are you in position for the next transition? Let's get into the show. Welcome back to Women in Transition with Tia Davidson. I am your host, and today I have the most special guest of all guests to ever appear on the podcast, (laughs) past, present, and future. Joining me today, the woman who gave birth to me, the woman who loves me more than anybody in the world, my bestest friend, (laughs) my mom. I love you so much, and thank Aww. you for gracing this show with your presence, Aww. your humor, your wisdom, <laughs> and transparency, because I know that I have to brief the people, because you have no filter times 1,000, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't even know what to expect from this interview, but I know that you come in with all hearts and full of gems, just like me, so please let the people know who you are and why you are slash were a woman in transition. Hi, I am Elizabeth Johnson, and I am a woman in transition because I've been a daughter, a wife, a sister, um, mother, and now I'm having a role reversal. And so that's the reason I'm still in transition. <laughs> yes, and we're gonna get into that role reversal, girl. We're gonna be just a little, just a little bit. Oh, please, a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, because you're still in it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? We ain't trying to, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so who was Young Liz, and how did she meet Mr. Johnson? And for those of you guys who are listening. Mr. Johnson is my father. (laughs) I met Mr. Johnson 36 years ago. 36. That's older than most people that's listening to this podcast, probably. And when I saw him, I thought he was everything. And surprisingly enough, I still think he's everything. We're going through all the stuff we're about to talk about. I still want you to remember that I still think the same thing. He is, was so sweet and so nice. And I actually saw him playing basketball uh, on court. And I just started, for some reason, screaming, hey, 22. And after screaming it so long, this guy said, his name is TJ. So I was like, hey, TJ, I like you. And, um, and he paid me no attention. And so uh, halftime came, and he came right over beside the bleachers I was on and kind of peeked at me. And I guess I wasn't much to look at because he kept on going. <laughs> but to make a long story short, he ended up trying to find my 
number and giving me a call, which I didn't get the call. And then when we met back at school the next day, I was like, I don't want to hear from him. I don't want to hear from him. Because looking at me, I thought, hey, he wants this but he did. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. But when I got back to school, he asked for my number and we started talking and every day he came to my house and we talked. And I mean, from the time we got out of school until nighttime, we talked, we walked, we went everywhere together and wherever you saw him, you saw me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you, you uh, skipped over the who is young Liz. And and I think that's a testament to who you are as oh, a person. Wow. You you done, you forgot about yourself, even talking about. And, and that's the thing, girl. You will forget about yourself. That's my life story, but that's a whole nother thing. Yes, but young Liz was. <laughs> that's hilarious. Young Liz was bright-eyed and innocent, mostly believed just what you told me and uh let's just say i'm not like that anymore and my eyes have been opened (laughs) (laughs) yes you even said like you were shy you were quiet Uh when you were younger uh because you're like you're not the youngest but the youngest girl in your family you have five Mm -hmm. sisters and brothers yeah well when you're the baby of the bunch most of the time you get knocked around and kicked around. And so in our family, you had to do whatever the older children said. And so since I was like one from the bottom, then I was just like giving orders and I just had to soak it in and take it and do what everybody said. And, and I didn't know who I was. I was lost. And so most of my time as a young person ended up being in a back room where it just was a freezer. And I just sat back there, didn't do anything, just sat there like a crazy person. I could have been reading books. I could have been, you know, just doing anything, but just sitting there staring at the wall. But that's why, well, that's what I did. And so I saved all my money. And the only time I got to leave was when my sister would feel like she wanted a hamburger and we'd go to the store. <laughs> and we'd spend my money and I'd get back to the room. I just wanted to stay out of trouble, really. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, just, you know, listening to how you were as a child and, and who you are, knowing who you are today <laughs> and just knowing the, the vast difference, you know, yeah. of those people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything. We still had black and white TV. Yeah. So, you know, the world has changed so much and so have I. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say the expectation was of marriage back then? Like, you, you know, now as millennials, like everybody's posting, you know, photos of their marriage and, you know, we have blogs about marriage and yeah. things like that. And how was, I guess, just in general, like in society, in your time, like how was, what was the expectation of marriage? What did you think becoming a wife would mean to you? It meant men were the providers and the wife was staying at home and, you know, keeping house or you had some small job. And, and, and the thing that I didn't like about what it was expected out of marriage is that it made women small, very small. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, nowadays, 
you guys, you know, you know, men were back then took care of the wife. They took care of all the bills. They just wanted a good meal. That was it. And then you partied together in house parties, not going out. You did in house party. I mean, they had juke joints and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, just the men got to go to that. And uh, we just really stayed at home and we partied with our families. I'm talking about a full out party like you have at, at a club was right there in the house. And the kids joined in and we danced with our dads and our moms and our sisters and brothers. And we had a doggone good time. But, you know, and it's funny now because of quarantine, nobody want to be with their family. Everybody want to get out. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, exactly. But, you know, but now it seems that all the men now, every woman want to be a boss girl or, you know, yeah. over something. And so where is the men in all of this? What are they supposed to be? If you're the boss girl, what, how can you be the boss man? Because you can't be the one boss. Okay, and so Who back then, no, no, no. I'm saying back then we knew our place. Oh, okay. And so it was only one boss, and so now it's like I do my half, I do me, and I think me and my old self thinks that that's where the marriage kind of breaks up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know you saying who can you 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 uh, it's you all day. Who want to be the boss? Why can't it be two bosses? It can be two bosses, but you're not going to have no really good marriage because a man still wants to be a man, in my opinion, in my little of course, Of course. And so, and so, you know, I used to be, I used to watch my mom uh, cater to my dad and, you know, oh, baby, come on, would you please paint this? And now I'd be like, paint that wall and get it done, man. Now, 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 you know? Yeah. And so, and so that's the change from my mom's generation to mine and so i can just imagine when it's time for travis to you know have to do something like that right so So how old were you when you got married and what was the transition like because you met him in was it junior high school or high school Uh i met him in high school yeah you guys were high school sweethearts so how was the transition from high school sweethearts to husband and wife? And how did your relationship change? The transition from husband to wife is when he got, when we got married, he all but changed, totally changed. I mean, this man worshiped the ground. I walked on anything I wanted. He was trying to get it. And whatever I said just went smoothly. It worked so well. How did I not know that would change? How did I not know? How old were you guys? Well, I met him when I was 16. I've been with him 36 years. I think I was 20. I had just turned 20 years old. Oh, wow. My when birthday you guys was, got married? Huh? You guys got married? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then, you know, I turned 20, and then it was us getting married a couple of weeks later. Like, I wanted to both of those in my, you know, my birthday month. You know? Yeah. <laughs> But it was just whatever he said, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So so when you guys first got married, he was, you know, all about, you know, whatever you said went. Uh-huh. And girl, soon as it seems like soon as we signed the marriage certificate, the next week, it was totally different because he knew he had me. And it was like, I got you now and I ain't got to do nothing you say unless I want to. And mm-hmm. then. Somehow everything shifted from everything being about me to everything being about him. And I don't even know how I changed like that. Like, why did I do that? I don't want this, but I did. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think I was just trying to make him comfortable because he had made me comfortable so long. Girls should have stuck with just me. And probably just also a little bit of what you said, like grandma's days, you know, and, you know, the man being the man and, and you yeah. probably just naturally fell in your place, quote, quote, uh-huh. and let him be the man. Yeah, that's how I was trying. I'm still trying. Yeah. You know, I'm just kicking back every time. I'm fighting against the whole thing. Still. Yeah. I'm still transitioning. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> I see she is later. Um, yes. So you said that it was, you know, he changed. So for mm-hmm. how was that transition for you to have to, to go from everything being about you to now, in a sense, adjusting yourself to mm-hmm. match this, person that you now are going to spend the rest of your life with? It really was okay. Uh, I didn't mind, you know, transitioning to let him now take over Mm -hmm. because I had done it so long. So I'm a fair person, I think. And so I felt like I've had all this time. He's done everything. So Mm -hmm. I was just trying to give it back and just trying to follow his lead. Mm -hmm. That's what I was trying to do. So, you know, it's okay. I just... I just fell in my place and whatever he said, I let him do it. Whatever he said, decided, I went along with it. Did, was there ever a time where that was difficult for you or um, where you came into some obstacles maybe with the transition of doing that where you just was like, okay, this is really hard? Yeah, because one thing about me is I'm a saver and he is a spender. Whew. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like and it's so funny because uh, every time I tried to save money, he always spent everything. He's the type of person that if I got five hundred dollars, I'm spending four ninety nine fifty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when I wanna save half, spend half, or maybe even save all of it. We don't if we don't need it, why spend it? But that was a big problem, and I let it go on for so long, and then after being broke, after being broke so long, I was like, some has got to give. And you got to now realize that, uh, that you do not know how to spend money. And mm-hmm. so even though I didn't have like the best math, I hate math, I hate math, I hate it, <laughs> but I could add up and know that this wasn't working. And so yeah. when he let me start uh, handling all the bills, he actually gave me his entire check and never asked for a dime unless I just gave it to him, unless we had something extra to he give it. And things start working. We start moving on up like the Jeffersons, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, I can only imagine a man today uh, doing that, handing over he, that whole he check. He still does it. He still does it to this day. And that's why everything is working again. <laughs> Because in a, in a way, things are kind of like back to how they were in the beginning. Exactly <laughs> like that. And I love that. <laughs> what? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but the thing is, I don't, I don't misuse him. If yeah. we got it, you know, if he wants anything, he can get it if we got it. But I try not to let him know what we have. Because he's comfortable. If he knows we have a lot, he will spend a lot yet again. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I just love to save, save, save. I, I try to put like we have nothing, nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
When you first got married, what was the reaction from your family and friends? How did your friendships change? I talk about on the blog how marriage shows you who your real friends are and how I've lost some friendships, you know, after I became a wife. So just curious to know what it was like when you got married. How, what was the reaction from your friends and family? Well, my bestest, best friend, which is the yoga mama, she did not like it one bit because every Saturday we would get up, talk to each other till nine o'clock. We get up like six o'clock, talk to each other like nine o'clock, and then we get, get up, go shopping, and stay gone to the mall clothes. Mm-hmm. And so now that I have a husband, she was my husband. Mm-hmm. She really was. And so when I actually did get married, she did not understand that she thought that everything had to end. That ma- She actually told me married people are supposed to be with married people and single people are supposed to be with single people. So my two best friends got together and neither one of them talked to me really. And they were going out having a good time and I was home alone with daddy. Oh, wow. What did you- it hurt. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, how did that make you feel? Yeah, it, I, I was lost because that was my best friend. I had nobody else to be with but Terry. And we both learned really quick that we have to be each other's best friend. Mm. And that has carried through to, through till now. We are still each other's best friends because, it, uh, you know, people will let you down. People will be jealous of you for no reason other than you have a smile on your face. Yeah. And, you know, God takes you through a whole lot of stuff. And when, when you follow God, I think that everything works out like magic. Mm-hmm. But then people will be jealous of that magic, but they don't realize the struggle it took for you to get there and yeah. be in that place. And, you know, things that always look good and always good. And that's why I kind of hate social media because everybody looked like we doing good. And I hate when everybody says, oh, y'all got a perfect marriage. How do you know what's going on over here? We have been struggling and talking crazy. I've been on Just Talk Crazy before I posted something. And then it's like, oh, y'all look so happy. Y'all, yeah, looks are deceiving. Looks are deceiving. I understand that I could I can be talking crazy when I talk to my community, <laughs> the Millennial Wise Club, yeah. and I'm talking to them and talking crazy. They're like, "Oh, y'all so cute." <laughs> no, yes, no, yes. This, is not <laughs> yes. this is not a yes. joke. We do have a good marriage. We really do. But it is not perfect. Not spotless. Nowhere. If 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 perfect was. Uh, five, we had one and a half. We had one and a half. (laughs) But, you know, but we are still friends. And the thing that I think has made that made us friends and made us work is that no matter what we say to each other, no matter how mad we get, the thing we think about is we still want to be together. I don't care what he does. He don't care what I do. We still want to be together. And we still every day want to make it work. It's like a doggone job. Do you go in your boss because you don't like your job and say, hey, I don't like this. I want to quit. Hey, I want to stop doing this or stop. No, you don't tell the boss that. You get your butt to work and you work on it. And that is how 
a, a marriage is you have to work just as hard and you have to find somebody who is willing to work just as hard as you are. It don't matter if you love each other today because tomorrow is a whole nother day. Yeah. It's a whole nother day. For sure. Yeah. So what did you learn about yourself during that time as a wife? I learned not to be a pushover. I learned to not take everything at face value. I learned how to check my trap. You know what that means, little girl? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't never do that. I still not do that. <laughs> but one time your dad told me, when we get to my mother's house, you talk too much. I need you to shut up. I had never heard those words before. Somebody telling me to shut this. Right. Girl, when I got over there, I act like a zombie. I didn't say <laughs> nothing to nobody. They asked me questions. It was yes and no, and nobody had ever heard that. Everybody here was turning. Oh and gosh. so when we got back in the car, he said, if you just speak, I will never say that again. And he hasn't. Oh, my God. So sometimes you have to play along to get along, you know? Yeah. Uh, you say, shut up. Okay, I'm going to shut up and let you see what it sounds like without this voice. Right. See if you still like, like it. Nope. oh my gosh okay so you got pregnant after being married a year girl girl it wasn't no year girl Uh, uh, i got got married in july and got pregnant on labor day (laughs) the same year people still think i was pregnant before i got married oh my gosh i mean that was that was quick and even today we had planned it a year ahead of time when I see people on my timeline, even today, like get married and then a few months later, like they like, oh, and we're expecting, I'm like, girl, you probably was pregnant before. So <laughs> no, I no. one of those people now too. No, it was crazy. And it's so funny because people think that I'm against, you know, having babies or, or abortions or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not. Mm-hmm. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't have had it, but yeah. I did. But yeah, I got I got pregnant like July to September. Yeah. And and when I got pregnant, I was like, how did this happen? <laughs> I could not believe it. I was actually I had I worked with all guys. And so one day I came in and I was just busting at the guy that I worked with the most. And he was like, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Liz, are you pregnant? And I was like, No, I just got married. What's wrong with you? And he said, you fussing at me like my girl was when she was pregnant. I was like, oh, this ain't that. And he's like, and so I kept fussing at him the rest of the day. I don't know why. And he said, oh, at lunchtime, I want you to go somewhere with me. I thought we was going to get ribs. Girl, he took me to a clinic to get a, a P-test. Oh, God. And when I did those back in those days, you had to wait till the next day to call in and see. And, and that Saturday, I didn't, we didn't even have a telephone. That's how poor we were. And so I went to the payphone and and dialed and they said that it was positive. And I said, positive what? That I'm not? I had no idea what positive meant. And she said, positive that you are. I walked all the way back to our apartment looking crazy, crazy. And when I told him, he said, positive what? (laughs) I said, positive that we are about to have a baby. And he was like, but we just got married. I said, I know. And he gave me all the what ifs and all the buts. And I was like, I know, but we having a baby. Yes. So it was, it wasn't a, uh, oh, yay, we're going to have a baby. Because we didn't even, 
we didn't even have a lifetime to, you know, get ready for this or even prepare for this. It was just like, we already broke and now we're going to bring another baby and she's going to be broke with us. <laughs> Crazy. Right. So what was your idea of motherhood before becoming a mom and what obstacles did you experience adjusting to motherhood? Girl. I thought motherhood was just like the fairy tales that I had been reading all the time. I thought you have, you know, back in our day, all the shows was like the mom is baking cookies and the kids come home. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of like that. I thought that's the way it should be. That's what I want. Yeah, something like that. It didn't happen. (laughs) Got a little diva right out the box. And she lets me know all the time that you are nothing and daddy is everything. And that's exactly how you said it. (laughs) But, but I, you know, at first I was shocked. I'm nothing. And then, uh, and then I realized and I adjusted and said, this girl crazy. One day she gonna want to go to the mall. So I wasn't even worried. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but but her dad had done everything. I mean, when when he went from husband to father from the very first day, he did absolutely everything. He's like, You ain't gotta do nothing. I'm gonna do everything. But I didn't know it would cost me to being nothing when I did it, because I did nothing, I became nothing. Oh <laughs> and God. you know, when when you bond like that, a mom and a baby, it was like a dad and a daughter bonding. It was just like the mom and, and baby bonding. It was the father and baby bonding. And so I was like taking it easy. Like, yeah, I could kick back. I can do whatever I want. I can sleep and watch TV while he did everything. Well, it cost me in the end because she was just all an adornment of her daddy. Daddy's this, daddy's that. Yeah, and I had to hear that crap. <laughs> oh my gosh, true. Yeah. yeah. But things changed when you had TJ. Yeah, yes, things changed when I had TJ. I had, I was, you know, getting older and I was like, hey, if we don't have a baby by the time I get 30, I'm not having one. I was so serious. I meant that. And so he's like, okay. And we really worked on, didn't take long. And we had your little brother. (laughs) And that was something. (laughs) So how was that adjustment to the second child, the second time where you're yeah, it was totally uh, it was as dramatic as you are Tia <laughs> I was just in awe because he did absolutely nothing with his baby <laughs> he did nothing and I really had to work and I had no idea because I had never done it before so it was mm-hmm. like a first time mom for me uh doing everything for TJ so just as I did everything for him then he ended up loving me more and he was like I was everything and daddy was like he was you know, he was like nothing. He didn't tell him that, but he let him know that that my mommy is everything. My mommy is great. My mommy is this. Oh, it's beautiful. And all the things I longed to hear from my husband, I was hearing from this little bundle of joy. So you know, I was eating it up. Yes, <laughs> yes of course. Yeah. So. so how did becoming how did becoming a mother of two um, affect your marriage and? How did you guys decide to raise your kids? Like, what was that conversation like? 
Man, it really was, it really was no conversation then because we had been planning this since, be, since we had started dating. We even had picked out names. We, uh, we, Terry would come to my house and we would ride the bus to school together. That's how much we were together. Mm -hmm. And so in all those talks every day, we had already said, if we have a daughter, her name's going to be Tia. We have a son, his name's going to be TJ. We're going to be happy. We're going to raise them just like we were or better if you know if we could and we was just gonna give them everything because we were used to not having anything we wanted like i wanted cereal for dinner or something like that we was gonna let them do whatever they wanted to do but we were also gonna discipline them and so it ended up that i ended up being disciplined everybody that wasn't good <laughs> yeah because he wanted to be the friend and let me be the disciplinarian i wanted us both to do that but it worked out so how did you, I don't know, did you guys have a conversation about that, about how you felt about being the disciplinarian? And Yes, we've had several conversations and they all came back to me still doing it. He never changed. And so I just realized he, he didn't want to change. He didn't want to change. He wanted me to be the bad guy while he be the good guy. Yeah. So did you, did your expectations of him as a husband change when he became a father? No, I just thought he was, and still do think he is the greatest dad in the world. He did everything, you know, because my husband didn't have a dad to look up to. The only dad he saw was my dad. And so whatever my dad taught him and whatever I learned from my dad, I taught my husband. And so that was it because he, did, he never had that. And, you know, even his brothers that were older, they weren't really home. So he had his maybe... I think his brother may have been five years older than him or something. He was kind of like the daddy of the family. Mm. Do you feel like you lost your identity once you became a wife and a mom? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I lost who I was when I had Tia <laughs> because I wanted to give you everything. And I was already before you came giving daddy everything, you know, I was giving my husband everything, all, you know, buying all his clothes and make him look cute, you know, and then when you came along, oh, a girl, you got to have all the bows, all the cute things, you know, and so I did that. And so in that I lost who I was, because I was always dressed up, always cute, hair always done. And then when I got married, I started looking like a hobo. And, I, and one day we were out somewhere and I was like, and they was like, oh, your daughter is so cute. She has such cute clothes on. And then I looked at my husband and he was dressed up and then I looked at me and I had, think I had a ponytail. I was like, uh-uh, this is crazy. But I remember one day uh, my friend was at work and she said, you do know sweatsuits are for jogging. <laughs> and with the sweatsuit, I had pearls on, girl. And so I, I loved pearls. Yeah. And so she said, and pearls do not go with a jogging suit. You only wear them to church. <laughs> and so that hurt my feelings. But then, and then, but to tell you what kind of friend she was, maybe like a month later, she, she bought me an entire new outfit, had told me what kind of weave they put in my hair. And girl, I ended up looking like Whitney Houston. Ooh. Yeah, I was cute. I was cute, cute. 
Yes. How did that make you feel? Oh, it made me feel like on top of the world. And I ended up after work starting to go to her house, to her mama house, and we would change clothes and hit the club. Oh, that's a whole another story. Yes, look at you feeling yourself. Yeah. yeah, I remember one night because my husband was already going out because that was one of the big changes. He was going out with his friends all the time, you know, and I was like staying at home. And uh, this was before we got married. I mean, this was a bit right, right when we first got married. He was going out. He just started going out with his friends. He was either playing basketball and then on the weekend they're going out. I was like, what's going on with that? So I stayed home. I thought he would change. I was waiting for him to stop, you know, mm-hmm. and he never did. So I, when I started going out, um, he didn't like it, but he didn't say too much because I was home before he was. Mm-hmm. And then one night he stayed out to 2.30. 2.30. That was like staying out to 7 o'clock in the morning. Right. And so I said, the next weekend, I'm going to put a stop to this. And so I stayed out to 2.30. And by 2 o'clock, you should have saw my purse lighting up. We had beepers back then. And it was <laughs> lighting up like the club lights going with the music. And I looked at it. I was like, I wish I was. I'm having a good time. And so when I got home, I got home exactly at 2.30 and he screamed and said, do you know what time it is? I said, mm-hmm. it's the same exact time you came in last week. And that's when he realized what he was doing. And he said, let's just agree not to go out anymore. And we didn't. <laughs> and the only time we go out from then to this day is together. Yes, because I'm like ever go out separately, you know. You know, we go out separately, of course, but not like to a club or anything like that. We always together. Yes, because y'all are now socialites, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> y'all are socialites because now y'all are empty nesters. <laughs> yes. We are kind of like off on our own thing. How did you <laughs> feel when we moved out? Like, how did you adjust? Did you? even see this life that you're living now, like going out to the parties, having uh-uh. a good time. You know, when we, when we first started dating and thought we were going to get married, that we were going to have our kids very young so that when they get older, we won't look like their grandparents. <laughs> and then we will still have enough time to have the life that we should have had when we were young. Yeah. And we would be wiser and we would go out and have a good time, see? And that's exactly how it happened. And that's exactly what it is. And I love it. (laughs) So the answer to how you felt when your kids moved out is you loved it. No, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. When, when you moved out, it was easier because, because when you went out to college, you were always gone anyway. You would find anywhere to go. It's like you're allergic to us. Everybody going to Phillips Exeter, places we had never heard of before. You know, we didn't even know about programs. All we know is you come home saying how much money you need to catch a plane. I need a plane ticket. We never even to this day rode on a plane ourselves. And that's how we gave and gave and gave. Everything we had, it went to you. Beauty pageants, anything. You come home, you always go. And so, so, you know, having you go off to college was just like you being gone all this time. But the only thing about it was when you first left, you know, and I got back home, it hurt like heck 
you know, you, it was sickening to the stomach, sickening. And I cried and cried and cried. And he always just hugged me and said, it's going to be all right. We're going to miss it. It's going to be all right. And I, and I was happy for you because you were doing exactly what I wanted you to do and better. I always wanted you to do all these things that you did and go all these places. I would, if I didn't have one cracker, I would, I would give it all to you to go and do all this stuff because this is the life that I wish I had. So I've never been a selfish person. Like I wish I would give all my money. No, you take all my money and then I'll go make you some more. You know, that was my thought on that. But when TJ and then I still had TJ home. So, you know, uh, when I, when he left and went off to college, it was, oh, it was sickening because nobody was in the house. And I had to look at my husband and, and we seriously asked each other, what are we going to do without these kids? Do I even like you this much? Do I? And we had to seriously think about it. We always came back to, yes, of course, we knew we liked each other, but I didn't know how that noise, you know, I'm used to hearing the patter patter of feet upstairs. And when that's gone and the house is so silent, it's just me and you. And he don't talk a lot anyway. That was a big transition and it hurt. And that was just a reminder every day that I don't have kids at home. I do not have kids at home. But when you left, came back from college, it was just great. And then I was thinking to myself, if I really want her to be the person she really has been working all this time to be, she has got to go. She's got to get out there. And so when you told me your dream of going to Texas, that's why I pushed you out because if you stay here, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be no Millennial Wives Club. It, you, you wouldn't even do that. You wouldn't even know to do all this. You would have just sunk in and been the spoiled brat you was. And so <laughs> I like, no, you have got to go. And if you don't like it, you can come back in a year. But you had, I knew you had to try it or you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have liked who you were. Yeah. And then when TJ left for good this last time, I was just frustrated because not because he was gone, because I love that part, yeah. but because I knew now that I can have my dream of creating stuff in my room, the big room. It was going to be all mine, and I could not wait to see what that was going to look like. Yeah. Well, it's still a work in progress. Yes. <laughs> I know. Well, the room that you had right after he left, which was his old room, old, old room, that was beautiful. And that was like, I feel like a creative sanctuary. I was obsessed with that room. <laughs> yeah. so I can only imagine what this yeah. room oh, you just I can't imagine what that's going to look like. And, uh-huh. you know, speaking of that room, you actually had to move that room and get rid of that room because our my grandmother, your mother, <laughs> had to move yeah. in with you guys. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a, Another transition, you went from uh-huh. being em- empty nesters to caretakers of your Quick. mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so what was, what has that transition been? Look, what has, what is that transition? No, I can't even get it out. I, I, what is that, how has that transition affected you? And, you know, you mentioned in the very beginning, you know, how the roles have been reversed. And this is mm-hmm. that role reverse yeah. that you were referring to. Yeah. Well, you know, when she first had to move in, I was so, so happy, you know, because we have been like best friends and 
you know, just happy with one another all the time. Even when she didn't live here, I was always, we actually moved in this house so that we wouldn't be far from her. That's how much I love my mama, want to be close to my mama, all up on my mama. It's like me and you was me and her. And so that was a welcome into having her stay. And I didn't mind giving up my, my sanctuary, as you call it, uh, that I hadn't, didn't even have that long. You know, I didn't mind doing that because I love my mama. But yeah. then when she came to move in, hoo-hoo, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was probably the biggest adjustment of my life because you know, you are no longer 16 and looking up at this lady, you know, you are now having to tell her things she don't want to hear. Like maybe you have some health issues you need to look into or, or, you know, you're scared or you're depressed, you know, because my brother had just died. And so all of those things, you know, she didn't want to hear my three aunts died back to back, you know, she didn't want to hear that. And so it's tough as a child to, cause that's what I still am to my mom. You know, yeah. it's tough having to tell her you have got to do A, B, and C, and we've got to go see the doctor and let him diagnose these things and get them taken care of. And it, it was like, I became the enemy. And so it was a struggle for power, you know, over iced tea, you know, something as simple as that, you know, we are tussling back and forth over. So I really needed uh, God to guide me. That was the only thing that could have seen me through that whole thing you know everybody thought after hearing the story about all this and I've told it to just a few people they thought that we were just living you know like like on Instagram and you know all that they thought we had the best relationship because we always in pictures smiling and stuff like that but my heart was crying yeah and it, and it wasn't because my brother was gone at that point it was because my mama was here yeah <laughs> You yeah. know, because she didn't understand me and I didn't understand her. And we had to learn each other all over again and learn how to get along, you know, yeah. just to breathe, you know, because if you're in the house, your own house, and you've been told what to do is if you're 16, you have to remind her, hey, I'm not 16 no more. I'm over you now. And you yeah. got to do what I say. Yeah. yeah. And everybody know I have a bad time with a uh, power struggle. I love it. It's too much. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but we found a balance and we are now friends again and we are still in that transition because yeah. every day is a struggle and every day is, I find something I don't like or she finds something she don't like, but we've learned how to work together because we all we got. Yeah, I, you know, just what you're saying, it sounds a lot like, you know, when you're a couple and you move into a house together and then you have yeah. to adjust to someone and or when you are in college and you're moving in with your best friend and, you know, it's nothing like, you know, when you get to see each other outside of living together. But when you're like under the same roof with any, you know, adult or whole other person, yeah. you know, who has been who they are for so long, for how many ever years it's been. Uh -huh. And then you've been how you've been, and then yes. both having to adjust to each yes. other. I yes. think everybody, we all can relate to that because we've been in a situation, but then to take it a whole nother step of that being your mom and, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. un having her understand the difference of 
you're not a child, you're an adult, you know, uh-huh. and this is your house and that, uh-huh. you know, there are certain things. So I can only imagine. Yeah, just to hear gossiping all day and take yeah. that in, you know, I try to tell people, don't tell everything. If you have a secret and you don't want about it to, to know it, don't even say it, period. Because, you know, once someone here, you hear it, you'd be shocked and like, oh, I, you know, and then it come out in conversation and, you know, you don't really mean to hurt. I, I at least don't ever really mean to hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, I, but, you know, when you hear something and you repeat it, you can't take it back. You know, yeah. it's out there. It's said. And so if you don't want to know something, girl, don't tell it because my mama will tell everything going on up in here. Yeah. <laughs> that that's another balance, you know, how you have to like stay hush hush if I if it's I don't know if I'm fussing at me, you gotta get up and do it right now. You know mama back there, you know. Right. A lot of those conversations. I mean, I really had to stay counsel with this thing. You know, black people don't like to get no help. I uh did transformational coaching with Harriet. She's mm. on Facebook. And uh and that really changed my whole life with my mom, you know. Uh, she coached me through that whole thing. I remember uh, sitting in church one day and I saw Harriet go over to her mother and she would get her up and take her. She, you know, she takes care of her mom. And, she, and I was praying at that moment. I said, God, that's how I want to be with my mom. I want to be gentle with her. I want to be sweet to her. I want to be loving with her. I want to have that kind of relationship again. Mm-hmm. And you know what God did? He turned that whole thing around and showed me exactly what Harriet was doing with her mom. And she was like, her eyebrows was up too. And she's the pastor's wife. And so if, and that made me feel normal again, because mm-hmm. if she can have problems with her mom and how sweet she is, they both are then I knew what I was going through wasn't so bad and I could fix it. And so we did transformational coaching and she still does it. And we are good as gold, good as ever I ever thought could be expected. Yeah. I'm so so happy for you in that transition. I know you're still in it. Um, But what words do you have for your younger self? Oh, to never quit for one thing, you know, if you stumble, get back up, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever happened yesterday, tomorrow's another day. Yeah. You know, it no longer matters. Uh, um, and, and it, you know, when you get off track, get back on track, you know, move closer to your goals and your dreams, your aspirations. That would be, what I would tell her, you can do it. You can do whatever you put your mind to. You can do it. It's always another way. Whenever you think you backed into the corner, it's always, always another way to figure out who you want to be, where you want to go, how you want to do it. You know, back then we didn't have the internet. And so, you know, you could only check out so many books from the library and they weren't talking about nothing like y'all get to do. And so if I would, tell her that I would tell her, you know, motivate her to do, go after her dreams, you know, because when, back then when you got married, you thought that it, my husband told me I couldn't do it. I can't do it. And it stuck in my head. But now like, I wish you would tell me that now I can do anything and you really can do anything and you don't need nobody. You can do it all by yourself. You taught me that. And you taught me that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to put into you what I didn't get. 
Yes, and you definitely so, did. And, and then a lot of things I hear you say back to me is what I told you, but it's like you retraining me all over again. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. here to remind Make you. Remember, girl. yeah, yeah, you are awesome, Tia. I didn't have a, a millennial wise club with Tia <laughs> to guide me and show me that that mistakes can be made and you can get over them, you know, yeah. or that these women are just like you. Yeah. I didn't have anybody out there. I mean, you are a gem. You are a jewel. You are everything, girl. Oh, my gosh, girl. <laughs> we know, we on that note, um, we're going to take a quick break because we got to pay some bills, but we'll be right back. All right. Hey, girl, hey. This podcast is sponsored by the Millennial Wives Club. We are a community of supportive women who just so happen to be millennial wives, hence the name. We are actually more than just wives. We are mothers, we are bosses, we are friends, we are leaders in our community, daughters, sisters, and so much more. Despite the name, the Millennial Wives Club, you do not have to be a wife to join the club, but you do have to aspire to be a wife. If you are a woman, who has a passion for connecting and supporting like-minded women, looking for a tribe to remind you that you are not alone, and don't mind going places with strangers who turn into sister friends, join us. Just go to the website, themillennialwivesclub.com slash join the club for more details on how to join your local chapter or how to start your own. All right, girl, we'll see you then. Now let's get back into the show. All right, guys, we are back. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Thank you, mom, so much for coming on to this show and sharing your story and your transition, um, (laughs) your past transitions and your current ones. I think Mm -hmm. I I know I learned a lot from you (laughs) with this conversation, and I hope that our listeners learned a lot from you and your story. So since we are millennials, what is your advice to millennials about marriage and motherhood? I think, I think the advice would be one and the same for motherhood and for uh, your husband. (laughs) And that's to be a role model. You know, your kids are watching you. Your husband is watching you. Give them something to watch, you know? Um, set boundaries and rules for both because uh, your kids need to hear no. These kids these days, I don't think they hear no. And, um, and they have no rules. You got to set rules when you got a house. You have to have rules when you tell your husband you cannot stay out till two o'clock in the morning. You know, you, you got to do that. You got to set boundaries and say, I will not stand for this. We got to do this. Your voice matters. And and just, you know, keep talking, even if it don't work the first time, the second time, the 16th time, the three years, seven year itch time, keep setting boundaries and rules, even when you feel like they're not working, because whether you realize it or not, they do hear you and it's going to sink in sooner or later. And be respectful, be respectful to your children. That's a that was new for me. Kids, you know, you need to, they need to respect you, but you also need to respect them. Mm-hmm. And your husband, for sure, for sure, because 
I have been out of line a whole lot of times, still being out of line, but I'm still transitioning into the person who I want to be. So I have to be respectable to my husband. Sometimes he, you know, people think he's so sweet, but he'll pull me back in a minute like, hey, don't do that. And, uh, and then I know I already knew when it fell out my mouth, but it was out there. Right. So right. I have to pull it back in and, and do that. Uh, you have to be supportive and loving to both, to your children and to your husband. That's self-explanatory. You got to show up at their games, even when you don't want to show up at little T, I mean, basketball games. <laughs> you got to still be there. You know, you have to be supportive of their dreams, you know, for your kids. You know, you never know where they're going to end up. You know, uh, I used to, Till used to always come home with something else for us to get into, be with her, do with her, you know. And I tried, I really did try and enjoy doing those things. But sometimes even when you don't enjoy it, you have to still go. Because, you know, after the 752nd basketball game, I'm a woman. I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't going out of town every time. But, you know, as long as you hit most of it, uh, mm -hmm. you have to be patient with both. Yeah. Your kids and your husband, ooh, that requires a lot of patience. Even when you think you are the most patient person in the world, something will creep up and show you you ain't got nothing. Yeah. Uh, and something I'm still learning now is forgiveness. Woo-hoo-hoo! Forgiveness is a biggie. You know, uh, when your kids do something, you can't be mad at them. You have to forgive them. You made that. So you have to forgive them and move on and teach it as a learning experience. When your husband does something you never, ever in your life expected him to do, you have to find a way to forgive him. Mm -hmm. and that, 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 that don't just mean that means your friends when they do stuff, you know, uh, like I learned when Justin told me I was petty. <laughs> I didn't even know what petty meant. I had to text him and say, what's petty? And who am I the queen of petty? And so sometimes when I'm petty, it's so much fun. But I have, those are the things I'm still trying to transition out of. Stop gossiping. Stop being petty. Just, just have fun and live. God put everybody here on earth to help one another. And, and, and we are not doing it. We're not helping everybody out for themselves. We got to care for everybody. Mm -hmm. People you know, people you don't know, even your enemies. Oh, we, I'm telling you, when you start doing those things, God will turn a whole situation around for you. You have to, and that's my last advice. You got to keep your eye on God. I didn't even know what that meant when my, when my mom moved in and we were gossiping at church, all the ladies who are taking care of their parents, we'd get together and talk about, can you believe they did that? Can you believe they said that? Well, one day my pastor came up behind me, my new pastor, Reverend Robert C. Jones, Hill Chapel. But anyway, he said, uh, who y'all talking about? And I said, who you need to be doing your next uh, sermon on these old people? And he said, Oh, what are they doing? And so after I told him, he said, well, in my family, we have the same problem. I'm like, go figure. I thought they would have it all together, you know? And, uh, and so he said, I'm going to do that. And so the next week came and he started preaching, keep your eye on God. Whatever the situation is, keep your eye on God. And I'm like, that's all he got. Really? Is that all he got? And so I was mad. And so uh, one of the ladies that I had been discussing mothers with came up to me at the church and she said, what did you think about the service? I was like, I didn't like it. 
And she said, you know, Liz, she said, I believe it's the right thing because our pastor that had died not long ago, she said, I used to whine to him about my mom. And that was the exact words he gave me, keep your eye on God. And she said that it meant whatever you're going through, whatever they say to you, you don't think about what they said. You let that go in one ear and not the other one. And you keep your eye on God. Think about his goodness and his grace and his mercy. I mean, I had the nerve one day we were in Bible study to say, what about when you forgiven somebody seven times 70? He said, well, what about when God uh, forgives you over seven times 70? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so, so that's what I would leave you with keeping your eye on God, whatever you're going through, even when your husband is bad, even when your husband cheats on you or, or, or spends all the money or gambles or whatever it is that you deem is really, really bad, you know, besides knocking you out then you, you have to forgive them and you have to keep moving forward and try to work on that thing. That's some real traditional uh, Generation X. (laughs) (laughs) But But I tell you, it's the truth because most millennials try to do like one and done. Yeah, I know, I know. But that's how you get to 36 years and still keep smiling. Definitely how you get to 36 years and still smiling. So we'll take that advice from you, mom. Thank you again so much for doing this. Until next time, guys. Bye. Well, all right, friends, that's all I got. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson. I hope you enjoyed the show. For show notes and submission of questions, please visit www.accordingtotia.com. But before you do that, can you do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast? And while you're there, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you're not already following me at According to Tia or at the Millennial Wives Club, you are missing out. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Step out of my comfort zone, I'm not afraid. See, I don't wanna block what God has for me. Watching what I feed my mind, good energy. Good energy. And I let go the people that's no good for me.